lots to work through today. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read 6 through 13. If you don't have your Bible, say it's all right, it'll be up on the screen. Have you ever read something in the Bible where you're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and not even like, what does that even mean? Like, you're like, is that even like English? Like, like what? It makes no sense to me. Uh, I'll be real with you. There's a lot of portions in Scripture where you read it in that first glance. You're like, that, that literally makes no sense. I don't even know what you're saying. I don't understand it. We're going to take one of those pieces of Scriptures this morning. And we're going we're gonna to dig into it a little bit to help us understand a, a topic that we need to deal with. And uh, I would be missing it as a pastor if I didn't deal with this during our relationship series. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 6 through 13, it says this. Now these things took place as examples for us, so that we will not desire evil things as they did. And he says this, don't become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in a single day, 23,000 people died. Let us not test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. I know it's a, a super encouraging scripture this morning. And don't complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. Um, depending on what your translation of Bible is, it'll say the destroying angel um, or something like that. So I find it interesting that God like hates complaint enough to send like a destroying angel. So just so you know, um, stop complaining. So um, these things happen. <laughs> these things happen to them as examples. And they were written for our instruction on who the end of ages have come. So Paul's writing, he's highlighting, he's kind of doing a throwback Thursday, which Pastor Justin did a brilliant job a couple weeks ago. He's kind of doing a throwback Thursday, and he's saying, hey, I want you guys to remember the children of Israel who were wandering through the desert for 40 years, and some stuff was happening, and these are the things that they participated in. So whoever thinks he stands, verse 12, must be careful not to fall. Verse 13, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. Common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. Have you ever played problem comparison? Right? Like your problem is bigger than my problem. Your problem is, is harder than my problem. So on and so forth. And if you come to realize something... What Paul is trying to drive at is the issues that you and I face, they're common to humanity. So every problem that you work through, every problem that you face, it's a human issue. Paul's writing, listen, that the, the issue is not you're experiencing something that no one else has experienced before. You're experiencing what's common to humanity. So he writes these things down and he says, listen, these are some of the temptations that humans have. Now he illustrated it through the context of the children of Israel and the stuff that they were facing. I want to take it and I want to kind of, I want to apply it now to maybe some temptations that, that you and I face, but especially for the singles in the house today. For the singles in the house today. Now, I know you may be thinking, if you're married in the house today, don't tune out. Don't get onto Instagram or Facebook right now. Because this message is going to apply to you as well. All right? No matter what your relational designation is, this message is going to apply to you. But how many of you know, of course, the, across all of our services this weekend, we're going to have varying types of people, ages of life, stages of life, so on and so forth. And one of the things that churches, I don't know, maybe don't have the best handle on is addressing the issue of singleness. Because somewhere along the way, we've got lost in this idea that marriage is the pinnacle of relationship. So singles come in to a church like this. And they're frustrated. 
because they're trying to figure out how they do this life. And they have people many times who are saying, you're not normal or in the best position that you should be in unless you're married. And I'm going to pop that bubble today. I'm going to, I'm going to break that reality as I'm going to redefine singleness for us if, if, if I would be so bold to do so. And since I have the microphone today, I'm going to be so bold to do so. <laughs> so today as we continue on in our series, hashtag all the feels, I want to speak to you from the subject, resist the marshmallow. Resist the marshmallow as we deal with singleness, feeling single, and self-control. Would you pray with me just one more time? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's alive and it's active and it's powerful. And that uh, it changes us when it takes root in our hearts from the inside out. So God, teach us this morning we need your voice in our lives. Help us understand truth this morning and apply it to our lives. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. I watched that video with my daughter the other day and she wanted to keep on watching it, keep on watching it. So I asked her, she thought it was hilarious, and I asked her, I was like, hey, what would you have done? And she's like, I would have waited for two marshmallows. And I was like, that's good girl. And then I would have asked if I could have three. And I was like, that makes sense. That's your personality. <laughs> I did the task. I did it awesome. Don't give me another one. Give me two. And I was like, fair enough. So her and I were laughing at this video the other day. And uh, this was actually a study that's been mimicked multiple times by some major universities and psychologists. They're not trying to figure out whether kids like marshmallows or not. What they're really trying to deal with and look at is they were trying to do some research on the varying degrees of our ability to exercise self-control. Even more so, our ability to handle what is known as delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Some of you right now that I mentioned donuts are not listening to my message right now. <laughs> and you're struggling on the inside with delayed gratification. You're like, dude, can you just be quiet? Dismiss the service, let's go have Banbury, right? You're going to have to wait. <laughs> and so today, across all of our services, we're going to have people representing these different spaces and places of life. The problem that we have is that we've defined being single in such a narrow way that we've never truly addressed the issue in a way that we should. I actually don't believe single or being single is about being single. Being single is about delayed gratification. And we all struggle with delayed gratification. We want instant gratification, don't we? We live in a world where at the touch of a button you can have all the information that you want. We live in a world that you can have rice in a minute and they're boiling water faster than we ever knew was possible. We want instant gratification. Have you seen somebody go nuts the minute the wireless internet goes down in Starbucks? And you laugh because that was you. <laughs> Alright? Where's my internet? We struggle with this reality. But here's what I've come to notice as, as we're going to define this issue. Single people represents those who are not married, widowed, divorced, teens, children, young adults, young professionals. Singles are old and young and in between. There are people who will never marry simply out of desire and or design. So here's the news flash about church life. Singles actually represent a larger demographic than what we realize. And so many times we position, and I get it, I'm guilty of it too, because a lot of my illustrations come from married life, right? And I talk about my kids, so on and so forth, and, and I do that because that is the, 
that, that's the all-consuming reality of my world. But I want to make sure that in this series, we open up a topic that is so important. Why? Because no matter where you're at in single life, I want you to be able to do it well. And I don't want us to wrestle with delayed gratification in this area in such a way that would cause us to thwart God's plan for our lives. And so I want to redefine singleness for us because it's broader scope than even just the people that I just lined out. Here's our working definition of being single or singleness. Single is not just a relational designation. It is also an emotional disposition. I'm going to say that one more time. Singleness is not just a relational designation. It's an emotional disposition. And therefore, our need to address the issue is not just important. It is vital because more and more, those living within our current culture and society increasingly feel single. Because being single is more than just a relational designation, it often carries with it great degrees of shame and fear, insecurity, loneliness, isolation, anxiety, and even depression. It does this because one does not just feel single, they feel alone. They feel unappreciated, without companionship, and frustrated both physically and emotionally. So it's not just singles who are not married. I'm going to step on some toes this morning, but we're going to do some surgery we have people in this church who have been married for 20 plus years and you potentially feel single in your marriage. We haven't talked, I don't know him anymore, I don't know her anymore, we're on the verge of divorce, things are rough, things are broken, and so you feel single. So singleness in many ways can impact us all. We talk to some of the most people, they're, 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 they're married, they have friends around them, they can check every box relationally, yet they still feel what? Single. So singleness, our, our redefinition, our, our, our working definition, if you will, is that it's not just a relational designation, but it's an emotional disposition as well. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to work through eight things. I'm going to break it into four. I've been on vacation. This is what happens. <laughs> That's why we're going to feed you donuts afterwards. It's a gift. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> Good and faithful listener. <laughs> so what we're going to look at is we're going to look at four temptations that we face when we're in delay. And then we're going to look at four antidotes to those, to those temptations. And again, this is what I want to say. Because I'm going to be addressing the singles today um, in, in, in larger degrees, for those of you who have the relational designation of married, I just want you to kind of fill in the blanks as this applies to you. But I want to make sure that I'm hitting everybody the right, the right way, okay? And so, number one, if you can help me out, this is the first temptation that we face. Come on, shot number one. Number one, we face a tendency towards idolatry. We face a tendency towards idolatry. So let's explain the verse now, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 7. Don't become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. Idolatry is this. It is simply placing something, no matter what it is, above God in priority and in praise. That's idolatry. Because some of us this morning might be like, I don't have anything up on my shelf. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm at church this morning. I'm worshiping God. But the funny thing is, is that so many times we place all kinds of things in our lives above God in priority and in praise. And one of the greatest things that I've come to find out that we have a tendency to do that with is relationships. Is relationships. 
And we have a tendency with great ease to place relationships, romance, companionship above the very one who authored it. It's amazing how many people that I've met and have worked with that desire relationships so much that it becomes the very thing that they worship. This takes place because we tend to think that relationship completes us. You complete me. It's Jerry Maguire theology. You have me? Hello? It may have been a romantic movie, but it's horrible theology. Why? Because no one completes you except for God. You might say, oh, well, that's just a pithy Christian answer. No, no, no. It's funny that we've spent millennia looking to fill God-sized holes in our hearts with all these other things, only coming back to the reality and the place that it never works. Why? Because our human relationships do not complete us. My wife is not here this morning. Our child is really sick, and so she needed to stay home with her today. So I would say this in front of her because this is actually a tenet of our marriage. We say to each other, and our marriage has been built off of this thing, she does not complete me, and I do not complete her. God completes both of us, and we come together to be one. See, some of us have confused the theology because we think marriage is this. Two people at 50% coming together to be one. Uh Uh-uh. It's two people who find their measure of wholeness in and through Jesus. They come together to be one. There's a massive difference in that that equation. So we have a tendency to place relationships above God. They become our idol. We worship them. We want them so bad. Don't we? Oh, the singles are just like, oh, I just, just need him in my life. Just want her in my life. My life would be complete and whole if he were here or she were here. And singles are coming to church looking for people. And the marrieds are in church going, don't do it. <laughs> We've all done it. We've all placed relationships in a higher pedestal than where they should have been in our life. The greatest way that we can do relationships is to stop worshiping them. Allow God to be our answer to to the singles this morning. Don't idolize something that does not have the power to hold worship. It's not a container that was ever meant to hold worship. It can't be. God is the only one that we can worship. And I know that doesn't correct or me- like help all the feelings that we feel sometimes. Go back to week one of the message, all right? We'll deal with feelings. But we have to understand that the first temptation that we face in delay is a tendency towards idolatry. The second thing is, is the second temptation that we face is we face sacrificing character and integrity. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, it says, Let us not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in a single day 23,000 people died. Now this, he mentions sexual immorality, but the the decay in our character and integrity is so much more than that. See, we often sacrifice character and integrity for instant gratification, don't we? We have this this line of thought, this line of being, this line of behavior that it's like, man, I'm going to do this today. And then all of a sudden you start weaving through life and all these things are happening. And so there's these little slips along the way in our character and integrity so that we can receive instantly what it is that we're desiring so much. So we can receive instantly what it is that we have been idolizing. Hashtag resist the marshmallow. 
on your seats today, you have a little baggie that I want you all to take home. As a reminder, I don't care if you're married or whatever, take it home. Why? Because we've got to learn to resist the marshmallow. Because God's promise that comes in the midst of delay is always grander than what is given to us by instant gratification. And so many times we thwart God's plan for this instant thing. I don't want instant, I want God's plan. And one of the way, one of the temptations that we face is we face the sacrificing of character and integrity. It's amazing what we'll do and sacrifice on the altar of instant gratification, isn't it? My brother was telling me a story. I'm going to throw him underneath the bus, Pastor Justin, the other day. Sorry, I didn't say this in the first service, but oops. Um, he was, uh, him and Alicia celebrated their anniversary last weekend. And uh, they, went, uh, they went up into Park City. We watched their kiddos for them. They, come and, they came and did a um, sleepover and everything like that. So we're talking to them that they were going to go to this amazing restaurant that I've been wanting to go to. And so they came back and they're like, yeah, we felt really bad because we went to this restaurant. But because of how the timing worked out, we got a snack before. You ever done that before? They got a snack before this amazing steakhouse that they were going to go get some, like, meat, which is what you really want to eat, Okay. And he's like, I felt so bad because here we are at an amazing steakhouse. And this is what he said to me. So I'm not throwing you under this bus too bad. This is what he said to me. I didn't get a steak. I got meatloaf. I was like, come again? And I think so many times we do that in life. Because we want what we need instantly. And so we get meatloaf instead of steak. And all the vegetarians are like, I don't want any of it. <laughs> so your point doesn't work with me. <laughs> Sometimes we sacrifice radishes for cucumbers, but never mind. <laughs> and all the vegans left the church. <laughs> we love you. We love you. We love you here. Caitlin's a vegan. She's on her staff, so talk to her afterwards. <laughs> so we have a tendency to sacrifice things when we inch off of our character and our integrity. The third temptation that we face is this, is we face doubting God's faithfulness. You ever been tempted to do that before? 1 Corinthians 10, 9, let us not test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. Uh, Pastor Justin did a beautiful job illustrating this in his message a couple weeks ago, is that the children of Israel were literally standing in the midst of a miracle, denying the faithfulness of God. They were in the middle of it. And how many times have we forgotten how faithful God is when we're standing in the midst of delay? They had been rescued. They had been brought out of slavery. But it wasn't the food they wanted. It wasn't the timing that they wanted. It didn't look the way that they wanted it to look. It didn't feel the way that they wanted it to feel. And so now all of a sudden they're, they're challenging God. They're calling into question his character and his faithfulness simply because it didn't look the way he wanted it to. They wanted it to. She wanted it to. And how many times have we done that? I don't know the single sometimes. I just, I, God, I need him now. I need him right now. He needs to be six foot four, chiseled chest, chest. I don't even know what a chest is, but it's good. He's got to have thick, wavy brown hair. 
and just a few marks on his face so that everybody knows he's not completely perfect. He needs to make X amount of dollars per year. He can't have too big a feet or too small a feet. His legs have to look, he's got to be, he's got to be, he's got to be, he's got to be, and I need him 15 minutes. And God, that will solve all my problems. And God's like, yeah, no. Yeah, no. And then when he gives us delay, we give him attitude. And we start doubting his faithfulness. But hasn't God done it before? Hasn't he been faithful before? Hasn't he rescued in the midst of the situation before? Hasn't he brought you up out of the miry clay, the Bible would say, before? And while his answer may be delay, let's never doubt his faithfulness. But it's a temptation when we're facing delay. It's a temptation. Doubt is a natural part of delay, but we can't afford to allow it to derail us. God is faithful. He's done it and he'll do it again The fourth temptation that we face is this, is we face developing a hardened heart. 1 Corinthians 10.10, and don't complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. (laughs) That's good God saying, I just don't like complaining. Stop complaining about it. Because what I've come to realize about complaints, complaints are actually, the root issue of it is hardenedness. I'm hardened in my heart. My kids complain about doing things, not actually because they're lazy kids, because they just don't want to. That's what I've come to realize. They're, they're hardened in that way. It's like, I just don't want to do it. Yesterday, there was a miracle that took place in my house. My kids are, how old are they? Eight and, seven and eight. <laughs> there they were. Seven and eight. Their new job is to do the dishes. Justice empties the dishwasher, Shiloh fills it with the dishes in the sink. This is their new thing. And I, I, like, I girded myself. As I was just dad yesterday, Erica had a day to herself, and it was awesome. So I had a little baby and the two kiddos, and, and I said, Shiloh and Justice, it's time to do the dishes. Can you guys please hop on it and make it happen? And I was waiting for the onslaught of complaint. I was waiting for the onslaught of hardness, and literally two angelic voices out of nowhere, sure, Dad, we'd love to. <laughs> For some reason in that moment, they weren't hardened to do what I'd asked them to. Why do we get hardened hearts? Proverbs thirteen twelve tells us. It says, hope delayed makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Have you ever hoped for something so much? That when it didn't come because of delay, your heart hardened a bit. And this is an issue our singles face, especially in the house today. Hope delayed makes the heart sick. So with the little bit of time that we have left, if these are our four temptations, the question then is this. How do we overcome them? Because remember, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13, we've worked through that portion of scripture we read this morning. It says, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. So how do we bear it? What's the way out? Four things really quickly. Number one, every shot, number one, we have to redefine and adjust our value assessments. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. 
In other words, what you value, your heart follows it. You ever notice that before? What you value, your heart will follow it. Idolatry is simply misassessed values. And this happens when we place a greater value upon something than we do upon God. Now, for the sake of time, I, I, I would like to read, but I'm not going to, 1 Corinthians 7, 25-35. Go back and read it, but I want to kind of clarify what Paul says. So just a few chapters before this, he actually talks to singles and married people. And this is what his attempt is in this portion of scripture. He wants us to see that both being single and being in relationship are of equal value. But God is always and still the most valuable. Because at the end of the day, there are certain benefits to both of them and certain cons to both of them. He would say, listen, when you're single, you have the ability to give all of your attention to Jesus. You can go where he calls you. You can be what he calls you to do. You can get on with, with no consideration of anything else. You don't have this bipartisan view on things. But when you're married, you got to think about a, a husband or a wife or kids. And, and that makes it difficult as well. I'm not saying that when you're married, you don't get to do the things of God. I'm just simply saying, Paul's saying, that it's easier in this frame. But at the same time, when you're not married, you're feeling the woes of not being in companionship, being frustrated physically and emotionally and so on and so forth. And so he's saying, here, let's equalize it. Both are valuable positions in life. So make the best of whatever place that you're in. And I want to say this unequivocally to the singles. Do not hate your singleness. Don't hate it. Use it. Give it to God. May it be everything that he desires it to be. Because here's what I've noticed. When you get on with the God business, God gets on your business. So instead of sitting, eating potato chips and watching Oprah, I don't know if that's what you do. <laughs> praying for God to bring someone to you, get up, get involved with what he's called you to. And as you're running, after the things of God, you want to figure out who's the one supposed to be in your life? It's the one who can catch up. It's the one who can catch up. Because I've watched too many men and women, they're running for God, and then back there, and he, she's like, uh, 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 because he's kind of limping around. And everybody's like, don't go for him, don't go for her. Yeah, but I don't have anything else. I'm alone. Ah, you're going after the one who called you. If he's for you, he'll keep up. If she's for you, she'll keep up. And maybe, just maybe, they'll pass you up, and then you'll have to start running a little bit faster. Right? I married my wife because i got to keep up with her. Sorry, I didn't say any of that in the first period, or service. <laughs> I've been on vacation, I'm sorry, church. Second antidote, oh my goodness, here we go. We have to understand that how we do now affects our later. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words, if you sow character, you reap character. If you sow integrity, you reap integrity. It's not just about finances or anything like that. It's about all these things. 
And the temptation during our singleness, remember, both a relational designation and an emotional disposition. The temptation during our singleness is to adjust the trajectory of our character and integrity. From here to here. We start adjusting depending on what it is that we're wanting. First, we set the bar high as to who we will date and not date. Then four weeks later, the bar comes down a few notches in order to put a few more fish in the pond. The problem with this way of doing things is that you're now trying to build a relationship with someone who does not share your value for character and integrity. And the natural byproduct of that is you now have to adjust your character and integrity to further allow space for the relationship to exist. This is what I call the singleness drift. And it's a drift that compromises everything. Maybe your singleness is an emotional disposition. We've been married for 20 years and we don't talk, we don't touch. There's literally no companionship in this relationship. We've gotten lost in the kids, we've gotten lost in the jobs, we've gotten lost in everything. I don't know who he is, I don't know who she is. And you feel single. So one day, because you're feeling alone, by yourself, you begin to meet someone for coffee or lunch that you know you probably shouldn't be meeting with. And it's in at first, it turns on you, and what you desire takes over. Small steps quickly turn into total compromise of character and integrity. We have to learn that what we do now affects our later. And now all of a sudden, you're reeling because the very thing that you spent 20 years building is now about to be destroyed. And that wasn't your intention anyway. Church, can we talk real? How we do our now, the now of our singleness, whether a designation or disposition, it affects how we do our later. Number three. Number three, we have to learn to recognize his faithfulness in the midst of our frustration. You have to recognize his faithfulness in the midst of our frustration. Psalm 23, 1 through 6, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I leave the darkest valley, even when I go through the darkest valley, even when I go through the darkest of valleys, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Listen, when you're in a place of life where depression and darkness and insecurity and fear because of designation or disposition starts surrounding you like enemies, I want you to know this morning that God has prepared a table in the midst of it all and he says, just sit with me. Just be with me because I will love you through it. I will be with you through it. You have grace and you have everything you need. Just sit at the table. Just sit at the table. It's going to be all right. So many of us are so concerned about our enemies that we can't sit at the table with God. Man, what a peaceful place to be. Fear, depression, anxiety, judgment, all the things that surround us when we're single. And he says, sit at the table with me. Look at me in the eye been at a table with somebody before and everything else goes away because you're in a conversation that's how God 
wants to operate with every single one of us, no matter where you're at in life. But especially for our singles this morning, sit at the table. You're feeling alone in that marriage, sit at the table. Just prepare a place. And at that table, he ministers grace and love, hope, joy. No one's saying don't be frustrated. We just can't allow our frustration to blind us from seeing his faithfulness. And here's something that I've discovered. One of the greatest reasons that we get frustrated is because we spend so much time trying to understand. You ever been there before? I just want to understand. Why am I single? Why has it been so long? Why do I feel this way? Why did the divorce happen? Why did my husband or wife have to have, to have such a short life? These are massive whys. These are wise that we deal with here at church. And that's why Paul writes to us, don't worry about anything but in everything. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God. Watch what it does. It surpasses all understanding. Can I tell you something? Understanding never brings you peace. Peace brings you peace. There's a lot of things I do not understand in this world that could cause anxiety and fear but I choose to abdicate my petitions and my prayers to the one who says, I will give you peace in the midst of it. Come on, somebody. I will give you peace in the midst of it. And number four, the last one is this. We have to allow ourselves to be soft and pliable as he works on our hearts through the process. Isaiah 64, verse eight, yet Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hands. One of the biggest issues that we can face in the midst of delay, especially when it comes to being single, is that it causes bitterness, hardness, frustration. And so here we are, trying to resist the marshmallow. We're like, I just, I just, right? harder you resist, the more you resist, the more you wait, the more you're in delay, the more you don't want the marshmallow as much as the one who created the marshmallow for you. I don't want any of it. I'm going to do this life alone. Nobody gets me anyways. Nobody connects with me anyways. Nobody understands me anyways. God doesn't get me. People don't get me. See, this is my portion. This is my lot in life. Uh-uh. God's saying, just resist the marshmallow. And while there may be delay, I'm faithful and I'm good. And you will have what you desire in due process and in due time. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray that this message this morning, no matter where you're at in life.